Thanks, guys. <clears throat> Michael just said, go get them. And I just want you guys to be aware that when my dad is around, usually he says, don't blow it. Um, it's a true story. Hey, uh, we are continuing, like Michael said, a series uh, called Real Life. These are our life lessons. These are a look at the book of 1 John. Um, is, I'm really excited about this series, and I want to encourage you guys uh, to go home and read the, 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 the book of 1 John. It's towards the end of the Bible. It's one that a lot of us aren't familiar with, but it is an excellent book. It doesn't take very long to read at all. Um, you could probably read the whole thing in about 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Um, but Michael kicked it off last week, and he talked about how the, the book of 1 John is a letter, and it is written in a very unique style. It's not written in a linear style where one point leads to another point, but is written kind of like a wheel where there are themes that get hit on over and over and over again. So because of that, we are not going to look at it uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're going to look at it theme by theme because if we went you know, chapter by chapter, it would be the same sermon over and over again. So we're going to be jumping around a bit in the book of 1 John. And this week's theme that we're going to be looking at is a real fun one. It's a real exciting one. We're going to be talking about sin. Yeah, I'm with you guys. That's not, someone was like, real sin. That sounds like real fun. And, and I, I'm with you. Some of you brought friends for the first time to church, and you're like, great. This is the time that my friend came to church. We're going to be talking about sin. Thanks a lot, Vineyard. Um, and I get it, because sin is a complicated subject. It is. And, what, and, and, and it's something that oftentimes we don't like to talk about. And the reason is, is because sin is very complicated for a, a number of reasons. One of the reasons is because all of us have kind of different relationships to sin in our life. There are some people who they do not care about sin. They say, I do what I want. I walk through life, and I just... You know, I don't care. I don't think about sin. And the idea of a, of a God or a Bible that tells me what to do, that is the last thing on my radar. So a conversation or, or a teaching to someone like that, you might want to highlight the seriousness of sin. That sin is a big deal and that it's harmful and it can, it can destroy and it's, it's serious. And we've probably heard teachings that have mirrored that, and you may have left that teaching feeling just slimed, you know, just shamed and, and condemned and just like feeling like gross. Do you relate to that? Like you may have heard something about sin and you just leave feeling bad. And then you may have people who also have like the opposite Reaction and relationship to sin, where they just are constantly living in a, in a state of shame. And they just feel entrapped by their sin, and they just feel like that's all they can see, and all they feel is just the, the weight of their sin. And so, for those people, you might have a conversation about, you know, how, how much freedom we have from sin and how, how you, know, you know, God loves you no matter what you do and all those kind of things. And you might feel, you know, you might leave that conversation feeling like sin isn't that big of a deal. That it's not, you know, it may get downplayed a bit. 
And so the issue is both of those conversations, both of those uh, thoughts on sin are both partial truths. Both of them share a heart and, and, and a part of how our relationships with sin exist, but they don't tell us the full picture. In so many teachings on sin, we just get a fraction of the truth, but not the full picture. And so, so today, what I want to talk about, what I hope we can, we can look at, is, a, is a, a bigger picture of sin. The seriousness of it and the freedom we have from it. So, before we go any further, I want to define what is sin. What is sin? Well, sin literally means to miss the mark. That's what the, the word sin means, missing the mark. So if we can, just for a moment, just humor me, if we can kind of separate the idea of thinking of sin as breaking rules, that there are these rules, and if we break these rules, we are sinning. That, that, that's kind of it, but that's, that's really not what sin is. Sin is missing the mark. It's missing what God has intended for you. See, God has, has, has good things that he's planned for you to do. He has, he has, he has ideas and thoughts and, and, and ways that he, he's created you to be, and, and sin is anything outside of that. Sin is anything outside of that. So it is not just a set of rules. Yeah, sin can be lying and, and murder and, and stuff like that, but sin can also be if God is asking you to go this way and you say, oh, I'd rather go this way. Sin is more of an issue of a heart. And I know so, some of you are thinking, gosh, man, talking about sin, that just feels so Old Testament. That just feels like that is an old school way of thinking. I'm more in line with the teachings of Jesus where he just taught about love and acceptance and just like kind of the hippie stuff. And, and I just, I wanna, I wanna t tell you that Jesus talked about sin like a lot. He regularly talked about sin. In fact, you know, his most famous teaching is this teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's maybe the most famous sermon of all time. And I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but I encourage you, read it. It's in Matthew chapter 5. But basically, Jesus is talking about the law, you know, the, the things that God has established as sin. He's talking about the law, and he's saying, I haven't come to abolish the law. I haven't come to get rid of the law. I've come to fulfill it. And he says, you guys all have assumptions of, of these rules that you think are sin, like, you, you guys say that, you know, murder is a sin, but I say if you've even hated someone, you're guilty. You've committed sin. And he says, you know, you guys talk about adult, adultery, like adultery is sin, but you know what? If you've even lusted after someone, you, you've committed sin. See, Jesus is challenging the views of the, 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 the religious people saying, you guys have made it these systems of rules and, and your guys' understanding of sin is way far too limited. Sin is a bigger deal than you guys even think. Sin is a big deal. I want to talk today about you know, why it's a big deal, what our relationship is with it, and, and, and the reason is, is because I am confident that every single person in this room struggles with sin. 
Every single person in here, in one way or another, has issues with sin in their life. And so, before we go any further, let's just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come. Lord, we know that sin is a, is a touchy subject. We know it's complicated. Lord, we just pray for your, your grace. We pray for your truth. Lord, I pray that as we have this conversation, that your, your love would shine through. In your name, amen. All right, so sin is a huge theme in, in the book of 1 John. We wanted to avoid talking about it. That's just a joke, but we couldn't. It is, it is all over the book of 1 John. Literally, like every few verses, he's talking about sin. And so let's jump in and to, to, to begin looking at what John has to say about sin. Uh, starting in, 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 the, in chapter 1, verse 5, John says this. He says, this is the message we have heard from him, meaning Jesus, and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So let's stop for a second. What, what is John saying here? What is John saying? John is, is basically telling us that if we claim to be followers of Jesus, if we claim to, to have this connection with Jesus, yet we still just walk in our sinful ways, then we are, not, we are living a lie. He's saying if we say that we are you know, in relationship with God, yet we continue to just do whatever we want, we're living a lie. So, so is John saying that if you are a Christian and you still struggle with sin, you're not a Christian? Is he saying that Christians don't Struggle with sin? No, he's not saying that. That's why it's really important to not just cherry pick a verse out of context, but to read it in the context it was written. He goes on to say, verse 8, just, just two verses later, he says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So John is saying, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, yet you walk in sin, you're a liar. And then he says, and if you claim that you don't sin, you're a liar. So what, what is he saying? It seems like they, 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 don't, they don't make sense. They may oppose one another, that they might be a, a contradiction, but they're not. What John is trying to say, the point he's trying to make is that sin is a big deal and that God, it's not from God. It, it is outside the will, the, the desires that God has for us and he's calling us to righteousness. And so if we walk in, in, in a manner that we say, we don't care what you have to say, God, I'll do what I want, then you're living a lie. But he says, but listen, you're gonna sin. If you say that you don't sin, that's a lie as well. Does that make sense? Does it make sense what John is trying to say? He's saying, like, if you're telling, you know, if you're saying that I can do whatever I want and still, you know, be a Christian or be a follower of Jesus, that's, that's a dishonest way of living. 
But we've got to be honest, we're still going to make mistakes. We're still going to, we're still going to have sin in our life. And so sin is a big deal, and we all do it, and that's a problem, right? So that's my first point, is, is the real problem. Sin is a real problem. And so as a pastor, when I have an appointment, I get together with a lot of people. When I get together with someone... You know, unless we're talking about like a mission trip that we're going to go on or, or worship or, or, you know, a wedding or something like that, most likely what we are going to be talking about is sin. Trust me, most likely what we're going to be talking about is sin and whether it's the, the sin, a sin that they're struggling with. A sin that they, 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 they're having issues with. Maybe it's someone else's sin that they, they don't know how to, how to you know, work through. Maybe it's someone has sinned against them. Or, or maybe it's just the fact that we are living in a broken, sinful world. And when sin entered the world, we had things like disease and, and war and racism and all kinds of evil things. But sin is the problem in the world. And we have to understand that, that sin is the problem. John tells us in this verse that, that, that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. And the darkness in the world is not of God and that's, that's a problem. That's the problem. But we all struggle with sin, right? Right, we all sin. I remember a few years back, I had like, just like had like a, me and my wife had like a fight and I like was just a jerk and yelled at her or something and was just not kind. And I remember talking to my mom about it and just feeling like saying, you know, mom, I thought I was going to be, I thought, I thought I would be past this by now. I thought, you know, that I wouldn't struggle with things like this anymore. And my mom said to me, she said, oh, so you thought you wouldn't need a savior at some point. <laughs> so you thought you'd, you know, get past sin in your life. And I was like, good point. <laughs> we all sin. We all struggle. We all make mistakes. We all blow it. And not to downplay it, we all do it, but it's a big deal. And the reason that sin is such a big deal is not because God is some, you know, cosmic killjoy. It's not like he's up in heaven and saying, those people are having too much fun, no fun for them. Like he's not the, the kid at the birthday party who's like, I think we're, we shouldn't be watching this movie, or like, we're staying up too late, or he's not that guy. The reason that he, uh, he makes such a big deal of sin is because he made us and he knows what he made us for. He knows why he created you. He knows the good things that he has in store for you. And if sin is more than just breaking rules, it's, it's doing anything outside of what God has made you to do, then that makes sense. God says, if you do things that I haven't made you to do, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad for you. Like if you use a tool in, in a way that it wasn't made to be used, like if you try to use your screwdriver to hammer in a nail, it's not going to work very well. And you might do damage to your screwdriver. 
I've tried to do it a lot, guys. I'm not very good with tools. <laughs> but God is saying, listen, it's, it's, you're, you're not going to flourish if you keep on going in these, these directions. I've made you for this. And not only will you not flourish, but, but John t- later tells us that sin leads to death. Sin is destruct, destructive in our lives. It, 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 it breaks relationships. We've all seen it. I've seen friend groups like get shattered because of sin. I've seen people like ruin their lives because of sin, you know, just choices that they're making, sinful choices. I've seen people walk away from God because of sin in their life. I've seen, I've seen people ruin their life to the point of death because of sin. Sin separates us. It, it causes this divide. It, it, it separates us from our relationships with each other, with our relationships with God, with our relationships even to ourselves. Sin is a big deal. And not just your sins, but I know there are people here today who have been deeply wounded by sins committed against you. Right? Many of you are, are, are walking around with wounds from, from, from your, your father's sin or your mother's sins. Maybe the way they spoke to you. Maybe the, maybe the way they treated you. Maybe they did things to you that was sinful. And you, you are walking around with wounds because of their sins. And that's not fair. God says that's a big deal. I know people have scars from like an ex-spouse or an ex-boyfriend or someone in the church. Maybe, maybe someone in leadership at a church did something to you, said something to you that was deeply hurtful. And for that, I just want to quickly say I am sorry for that. But, you, but the sins of someone in the church has has. has, has deeply wounded you or you're just carrying around sin that's not yours. You're carrying around the weight and the the destruction of sin that was someone else's. Or maybe it was a stranger. I mean, we we there's so many sins that have been committed that affect the people around us. Sin is a big deal and we all do it. So are you bummed out? Right? You're like, dude, I just wanted to come to church and worship, and you've bummed me out now, JT. Thanks a lot. Well, here's the thing. There is good news. There is really good news. There's hope. See, we don't have to be enslaved by our sins or by the sins of others. We just sang about it. We just sang the song about you have set me free. I heard you guys singing. We believe it, man. God has set us free from our sins. There's good news. We don't have to feel the weight of sin anymore. So how do we do that? How do we get freedom from our sins? That's the next point. Real freedom. How do we get that real freedom from sin? And one of the first things that I think we need to do to get to the root and, and, and deal with our sins is understand what they are. Understand where they come from. 
Understand the why we sin. Get to the root of the problem. And I think the, the root of the problem of sin is, is, is here. I, I want to read you guys a verse that if you've been in the, this church for a long time, you've heard this. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. God says to his people, he says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. See, I believe this is the root of why we sin. We have a, we have a sin nature, we have a flesh, and those things cause us to sin, but I think, I think the root of why we give in to those sins is because of this. We've, we've, we've turned away from God We turn away from the stream of living water who gives us life, that gives us hope, that gives us joy, that gives us those core longings that we have in our heart. God is the only one who can fulfill those things, and we've turned to other things to fill those longings. We've turned to these empty wells, these broken cisterns that don't hold water, and we've gone to them to to, to drink, to find life. We turn to things like, like relationships or, or you know, drugs or, or our careers or, or all kinds of things. And again, this is why it's important to not think of sin as just breaking rules, but it's turning away from God and turning to something else. That's the root of sin. See, God is not just calling us to live a life of, of sin management. Like this, this, you know, life game of whack-a-mole where when sin pumps up, we like, oh, there's one. There's a sin. There's a sin. Like, I don't think that's what he's calling us to do. I think he's calling us into an intimate relationship with him where we get to understand the root of why we are sinning. We just don't deal with the, the system, you know, the behaviors. We deal with the actual heart issue. Let me give you some examples because I think if we just deal with the behaviors, not only is it not effective in, in, in really solving the problem, but it's also, it, it can actually be counterproductive. It can actually be counterproductive. Let me, let me tell you why. So let's just pretend there's a guy who, you know, he's a workaholic. He, you know, his sin is that he... Uh, just doesn't, you know, spend enough time with his family. He's not caring for his wife. He's not caring for his kids. He is spending all of his time at work. And so we could go to this guy and address the behavior and say, hey, here's, a, here's what you need to do. You need to have a date night with your wife, you know, once a month. And every week you need to spend like three hours with your kids or, or whatever, And all we're doing is helping him preserve his well. Helping him preserve his his empty well and saying, still find your identity in work, but here's some tools that you can have that it won't be a problem anymore. Does that make sense? Until we address the real issue of, hey, it's not these behaviors. You're trying to get something out of work that work isn't designed to give you. You're trying to get identity You're trying to get purpose. And we get those things from God. Or let's say someone is struggling with, you know, sexual sin. 
Let's say pornography. Well, we could say, you know what? Here's what we need to do. Let's, you know, put these blockers on your computer. Let's do these things where you're, it'll make it impossible for you to look at pornography. And, and let me just say, you know, date nights and, and software on your computer, those things can be really helpful and good, and I'm not saying that they're bad to do those things, but they're not addressing the root issue. So if we, if we do that, if we just put blockers on a computer, instead of figuring out why are you turning to sex, to, what are you trying to get out of sexual uh, pleasure that sex was never designed to, to, to give you? You're looking at sex in an unbiblical way. You're trying to get things out of it that it wasn't designed to give you. What are you really trying to get? And so when we turn to these empty wells to get life or to get purpose or to get um, you know, comfort or to whatever it is, we, 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 are, we are sinning against God and we are sinning against ourselves. And that's the real root of sin. And so when we begin to understand the root of our sins, when we start getting to see, oh, the reason I'm, I'm, ter- I'm you know, being dishonest is because I, I, I don't think God will protect me. Or, you know, the reason that I'm, I'm cheating on my taxes is because I feel like I have to make as much as I can because I don't know if God is going to take care of me. You know, whatever, I'm just throwing out examples. But when we start getting to the root of the issue and not just address the symptom, that's, we can find so much freedom. And so, when we, when we, when we get to the root, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well, God gives us some really great tools to deal with that sin, God gives us some great tools to deal with that sin. And he, 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 he says he wants us to make exchanges with him where we give him those, those root issues of sin and he gives us freedom. And so 1 John, he, John goes on to say in verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. John is saying, this is a great tool. Confess your sins. And God is faithful to not only forgive you, but purify you. That's good news. That's, that's great news. And so, so basic tools for us to get rid of the sin, to deal with the sin, to find freedom from the sin in our life is, is repentance and confession. And when I say repentance, I want you to know the word repentance, it literally means to turn away from. So we turn away from our sin and turn to God. We turn away from that broken sister and that empty well. And we say, no, I don't want that. I don't want to find life in that. I want to find my life, my purpose, my you know, joy in you. So we turn away, we repent, and we confess and the Bible talks about confession as something we do with God, but it, but it more often talks about confession being something we do with each other. That we confess our sins to one another. I think it's important that we do that. There's so much power in verbalizing, confessing what we're struggling with. 
Even, even secular studies and, 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 and secular programs, they'll tell you speaking out the problem is the, always the first step. Like the 12-step program saying admitting that you have a problem is really important. And when we verbalize it, when we say, I need help, I, I, I keep on struggling with this, I can't, I can't deal with this, I've messed up, I keep on messing up, there's, there's powerful, and it's... It's not just a cathartic thing. It's something supernatural and spiritual happens when we do that. I feel that, that, that there's something where God reaches down and says, that's, that's mine. That's mine. You've, you know, when, when, when I bought that on the cross and we say, I, I confess my sin, something supernatural, there's an exchange that begins to happen where we say, God, I don't want this anymore. I want you to have it, and I want your freedom. I want your freedom. What John is trying to tell us is that confession is a gift from God. The early church used to, used to call confession the gift of confession. And the reason it's a gift is because, man, it brings us freedom. It's not just another rule that we have to do. It brings us freedom when we confess our sins. And I would love, I would love this to be a church where confessing our sins was a regular practice. Where it was just, it was just something that we could really easily do with one another, just to confess our sins. And we, we wouldn't be, you know, shamed. We wouldn't be, you know, beaten. We wouldn't be, you know, gossiped about. We could just say, man, I'm struggling in this. But let me just say that we, we need to be wise in the way we confess. We need to use wisdom in the way we confess our sins. You know, what I don't think confession is, and I've, I've seen this in, in t- from time to time, and I don't think it's wise. I don't think this is what God is calling us to do when he calls us to confess our sins to one another, is I don't think he's calling us to public humiliation. I don't think he's calling us to, you know, have to come walk up on stage and say, this is my sin, everybody. I don't think he's calling us to post something on Facebook about you know, the things that we're struggling with. I don't think that's what he wants us. I think what he wants us to do is take what was hidden and bring it to the light. Tell someone about it. To confess to, to, to a brother or a sister. And so for, for you, I think it is so important that you find someone to confess your sins to. Maybe it's, maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a small group leader. Maybe it's a friend. But it's someone who you think is safe. Someone who, you know, I remember one time when I was in high school, I confessed a sin to a friend of mine, and I found out that the whole youth group was talking about it. And it really hurt me. It really hurt me. And it was, under the, it was under the guise of, you know, like, hey, we should be praying for JT. It was just gossip. 
And so we, we, we need to find people who aren't going to do that, but also people who will like, hold us accountable, too. They'll be kind and loving with us, but they'll also say, hey, what can I do to help you in this that this doesn't happen again? You know, maybe they'll challenge us. We need to be a, a church that is regularly confessing our sins to one another. But let me, just another challenge. Let's be people that are safe to confess to. Let's not gossip. Let's not slander. Let's not shame people. Let's be a safe place. So, we confess, we repent. Another tool that we have with dealing with sin, and and 1 John doesn't really get into this, but this is all over Scripture, is forgiveness. Colossians chapter 3 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. See, repentance and confession frees us from our sin, but forgiveness frees us from the sins of of others. Repentance is such a powerful tool that God has given us. See, we need to forgive to be freed from the sins that have been committed against us. I know some of us have been sinned against. Like we were talking about, there is stuff that some of us are just carrying around that was things that have been done to you, awful, evil things. And forgiveness, before we jump into this, I just want to say a couple things that forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness is not, you know, just saying, hey, welcome back to my life. You know, what, what you did, it doesn't matter. You can just have full access back into my life. You can have full access to my kids. You can, whatever it is. That's not forgiveness. That might be something that needs to happen, but that's not what forgiveness is. In fact, forgiveness doesn't really have a lot to do with the person you're forgiving. It has more to do with you and God. Forgiveness is saying, man, I don't want to live underneath the weight of this sin anymore. I give it to you, God. I, I recognize that I am not the judge, and I have been carrying this weight of sin and judgment to, over this person. I give that to you. I, you not only paid for my sins, but you bought this sin as well. So I give it to you, God, and I forgive this person. And it's a process, it's hard. Sin is also not saying, no big deal. It wasn't a big deal. I'll forget about it. Sin is actually saying it is a big deal. It wounded me. It hurt me. But I I don't want to, I want freedom from this wound. I remember there was a, a, a spiritual mentor of mine um, a long time ago who really hurt me. He said and, and did some things that were just really hurtful to me. And I carried so much, I just would, had such a hard time forgiving him. And I carried this unforgiveness and this, this just 
anger towards him and this unforgiveness just grew and festered and turned to bitterness and, and oftentimes even rage and all of these things that like, you know, his sin against me was causing me to sin. I was having sinful responses to his sin. And it was, it was just eating me up. And I, I, I had to get counseling. I had to talk through it. I had to pray through it. And it was a process of forgiving this man. But when I forgave him, it was like, it was like a thousand pounds lifted off my shoulders. It freed me. And it wasn't saying that the words from this man didn't matter. It wasn't saying that it was no big deal. It was saying, I don't want to carry this weight anymore. Jesus, can you carry it? And it was a process. Marianne Williamson says, unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. Unforgiveness kills us. It destroys us. And I understand. I understand it, guys. I totally get it. And I'm not saying, hey, it's easy. Just forgive that person who did that thing to you. It's a process. I get it. But we need to start moving towards that freedom of forgiveness. If we confess our sins, we find freedom. And if, if, we, if we repent from our sins, we find freedom. And if we forgive others, we find freedom. Phil Strout, the national director of the Vineyard Movement, told this story <clears throat> where he has these apple trees in his yard. And um, one day he was mowing the lawn, and he barely just kind of nicked one of the apple trees, and all of a sudden it just collapsed. And he was like, that's weird. It was a big apple tree, and it just fell over by barely tapping it. So he got off his mower and walked up to it, and he saw that it was just rotten on the inside. It was just completely rotten. On the outside, it had like healthy bark, it had leaves, it had apples even, but on the inside, it was dying. And he talked about how many people that he's had conversations with that looked great on the outside, but were just dying on the inside. And I just, I just want to encourage us, let's not be like that tree. Let's confess what's going on. Let's not hide things away. Let's not just, you know, let's bring into the light what's in the dark. Because that's how we find freedom. Let's, let's deal with the unforgiveness. Let's deal with the issues, the things that have hurt us. Because I'll tell you, it will kill us. It will destroy us. We can find freedom from sin. And I look back at my life and I see sinful attitudes. I see sinful behaviors that I have found real freedom from. That are things that are in the, my past and they're not in my present. But the reality is, is I still continue to sin. And I will until the day I die. But listen to what John says. He says, my dear children, I write you this so that you will not sin, but if anyone does, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 
He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. John is saying, hey, I want you to understand, I don't want you to sin. You shouldn't sin. It's bad news. It's not how God made you. God's calling you to to live a righteous life, so don't, don't sin. But when you do, the good news is that we have an advocate. That we have an atoning sacrifice that paid for our sins. That's the gospel. That is the good news. That sin, like we said, sin has fractured every relationship. Sin has has fractured relationships with, with others, with ourselves, with God. And when we, when we rebelled against him, when we said, I'm going to do what I want and not what you want, sin fractured our relationship with God. See, God is a holy God. He is light. Sin is darkness. And, and in light, you cannot have darkness. You can't have darkness. It says it's sin it is apart from who I am. So because of that, sin drove a wedge between us and God. Sin drove a wedge between us and God, and God didn't say, figure it out, deal with it. Do something about that wedge. Do something about that gap. He said, no, I'm going to do something. I'm going to bridge the gap. And so Jesus took on flesh, came to earth, lived a life without sin, the perfect life, the righteous life that God has intended for us. He lived that life. And then died the death of a sinner, died the death of a criminal, the death that we deserved, and and, and paid the price, the atoning price that that brought us, that destroyed the, the barrier, that said you can now be reconnected not only to your Father, your Creator in heaven, but you can, you can be restored into relationships with one another and restored into that relationship with yourself. He says, I bought all of those sins. John says, I not only paid for your sins, but the sins of the whole world. They're all mine. I paid for them. He is the atoning sacrifice. John goes on to say at the very end of of his letter in chapter 5, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. He says, I want you to know because of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. He's saying you you can live in eternity in heaven with Jesus, with your Father, in paradise. But this, this, this phrase, eternal life, it doesn't just mean something in the future. This word eternal life means full, abundant life now. Full, abundant life now. So we don't have to wait till the other side of, of life to receive the eternal life. We can begin having eternal life today. We can take handfuls of heaven today. We can have our relationship restored with God today. We can can have relationship with him now. That is the good news of the gospel. That we get heaven, but we also get heaven today. 
Guys, sin is a big deal. Sin ruins lives, it ruins relationships, but guys, there is good news. We have freedom. We have a good God who did something about that real problem of sin. It is a real problem. We can find real freedom because of this real sacrifice. Why don't don't we stand? Here's how I want to end. I'm going to just have everybody come up and confess their... No, we're not going to... I feel like there are many of us here who need to do some work with God. We need to repent. We need to begin that process of confessing our sins. Maybe it'll start with God. It'll say, I'm going to confess my sins to God. Maybe there's someone around you or someone that you know that you can maybe grab and, and confess your sin. But I think God wants us to begin dealing with the issues of sin in our life here. We need to do some work. And I also feel like there are people here um, who are just, man, you are sick. You have pain in your body. You have injuries. You're dealing with really hard things. And you need to find some freedom from that. And we would love to pray for you. Michael, did you have something you wanted to? Yeah. Just as JT was talking, I just kept having the word banished, banished go through my mind. And I feel like the Lord said that there are some people here today that that's how you live your life. Like you've been banished. It's sort of, whether it's, whether it's your own sin or sin's done to you, it's, it's kind of like now, you can't be in here where it's warm. You sort of live your life like you're always outside in the cold. And I just see the Lord inviting you in from that place of banishment. And it really is totally like JT was saying, whether it's through confession uh, to the Lord of your sin or, or forgiving someone else, that the Lord wants to bring you close into where it's warm and close to him. So. Yeah, so, yeah, I feel like we need to do some work in that, in the, the confession, and if, you, if that applies to you, if you feel banished, but I also feel like there's some people, too, who you've, you've been really hurt, and God wants to start dealing with those wounds, and, and specifically, I feel like there's some people who've been really hurt by the church, and I feel like God wants to minister to that this morning. So Sarah's going to lead us in a song, it's a song that you may not be familiar with, Um, But it's a song of repentance. And so wherever you're at, I just encourage you to join in this song. And if you need prayer for anything, please come on forward. This space is open. And we would be honored to pray for you. So if anyone comes up, uh, we just have guys pray for guys and gals for gals. But wherever you are, let's just begin that process of repentance and confession and, and forgiveness.